Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Just imagine us with the, the helmet on, with the light and all that stuff. Oh, we're um, one of those treasure guys? I, I don't know. I pictured myself more like Indiana Jones, like a cool hat and like <laughs> a some satchel, satchel yeah. right? And like I got a whip in my pocket right. and like things like that. Whoopsh, whoopsh. That's right. We are here. Indiana and I forget the guy's name and National Treasure and what he's called in the name of the movie. It's a good movie that Ahmed's not seen anyways. And you said you saw the Indiana Jones? Yeah. Right? Growing up. Okay. Those you saw it. my favorites. It's been a long time, though. Been a long time. It's been a long time. Okay. Last one was good. The Crystal of the Kingdom of the Skull or Crystal Skulls, whatever the hell it was. It was yeah. pretty good. Yeah. You need to watch it with Shia LaBeouf. It was pretty good. I liked it, actually. It was really good. Although the one with Nicolas Cage, yeah. a lot of people came up to me and said, that was a good movie, too. It is good. So it's good. See that. It's very good. So you got to do that. And if you want to be called this, you got to know your character, okay? If I want to be a treasure hunter. Right. You got to watch some treasure movies, all right? <laughs> you got to actually see some hunters that are hunting treasures, all right? Like we're doing here, because you know what kind of day it is. It's treasure hunting day. Ah. It's what the F happened Wednesday. All right, we got lost to uncover. It's Chris yeah. Sims, Ahmed Farid, Chris Sims Unbutton. Hope everybody is well out there. Yeah. I like Mondays. I like Mondays. Mondays. We talk about every game. You've seen more of some games than other games. Yes. But I think Wednesday is turning into my favorite day. I like Wednesday as well. I do. We we get more into juicy topics. Like, you know, Monday we just try to kind of hit it all and, yeah. you know, we give some assessment, but yeah. we're like not sure exactly what we've seen because we're adjusting and it's we're watching, you know, on TV yeah. for the most part. Yeah, this one I think we get to bring some real tangible evidence to the people to say things that you're worried about or issues that are, are going on in the NFL. Nothing against Monday. I still love Monday. Yeah. I don't want this to be like I'm bashing Monday. Right. To Mondays do Wednesday. suck. <laughs> <laughs> I have a case of the Mondays every Monday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now you've had a chance to look at some of these games and dive deeper. And so here's what's on our list today. Okay. Treasure hunting. Right. What gems did we find? What gold? Did we find gold or was it fool's gold? Yeah. yeah there's so many things <laughs> oh, we can use you. with this. Uh, the Dolphins and what they did with Josh Allen, vice versa too here. Uh, maybe a little bit of the Dolphins offense here and what we saw. It was a little tougher sledding even though they won the game. Yep. Uh, Lamar. Perhaps the MVP right now. Right. What that Ravens team is doing. They've been a run first team for a long time. Now there's a little twist on a little that. Little twist a uh, We've been talking about the Jaguars defense. 
How about the Jaguars offense Uh-oh. and Trevor Lawrence? Man crush part two on the who, Jaguars. Who you were critical of at times last year. Yeah. Saw some red flags. Sure. Maybe they're just yellow flags. Or maybe there's no flag at all. No, they don't, yeah, you're right. It's, uh, there's no flag. Chiefs are screwing some things up on offense. And uh, the old man bowl. The old man bowl. Revelations in the old man bowl between the Packers and Bucks. You like what one of those old men is doing more than the other old man. A hundred percent. All right. Yes, I do. Those are my teases for the day. I like that. Treasure teases. Uh, what the F happened is also, uh, if you still prefer that name of today, you can go with I that I think name. most people do still, okay? <laughs> and they're just waiting for you to swear and actually yeah. say the name of the fucking one day, show. One day, <laughs> one day. Let's start with the Bills and Dolphins. Yes. Uh, and we'll start on the offensive side of the ball here with the Bills. Right. Um, and I think, first of all, let's just start with this. Because we'll talk Bills offense, Dolphins defense. And I think we think Dol- the Dolphins defense is going to be one of the better defenses this year in the NFL. Yes. But you saw a few things where you're like, man, if they play like this as opposed to that, they could be top one, two, three, and it's all about the blitz. That stuck out to you in watching this game, right? It's got to, they got to dial it back. I think that's probably the biggest thing I would look at, just too aggressive. And, and you know, you, you don't have to be a, a, a scientist or a brain surgeon to watch that football game and go, wait, I understand they got the strip sack fumble that set up the, you know, the, the quick first touchdown for the Miami Dolphins, but... At some point, you got to reassess and go, wait, but other than that play, we've ab- just been absolutely torn apart. And then even on some other plays where we didn't get torn apart, we were just like, oh, gosh, thank God we didn't get torn apart. It was so close. Oh, my gosh, he almost hit that, and that would have been a huge player. Oh, my gosh, that good thing that one guy didn't block long enough or we were screwed down the middle here. And we've seen them two weeks in a row get screwed by quarterbacks that are talented and have a little bit of a plan in Lamar and Josh Allen. So my big thing with them is I love it. I love what they do on defense. They're the second-to-last defense in football right now, all right, statistically. So they've wow. got to readjust, right? Yeah. That doesn't mean you're not a good defense. The stats don't always say it all, okay? Had to I go know. up against Josh Allen and the Bills and, and Lamar Jackson and company. And Lamar, exactly yeah. right, right. But I do think that that statistic line and what those two quarterbacks have done to them should make us go or make, make them go, wait, we might need to be a little more tactical about our approach here and not do it so much, right? And that to me was one of the big turning points of the game we'll hit on here is when they were a little bit more tactical. And my last thing, just as a broad statement to start this conversation out, is they're, they're too good on defense to be doing this to their team, right? now they're too good to be wait i'm in your face man to man and there's no safety back and if we don't get the sack then i'm screwed man to man and it's going to be a big play or if i miss the jam uh uh-oh watch out even if the blitz does get home you're going to be open so quick the quarterback's going to hit you and it's a big play they're too good across the board they don't need to rely on it and the light went off at some point in this football game which was was good good to see because they got christian wilkins who you noted in right. your cursive writing. That Jalen Phillips. They got Melvin Ingram. They got Trey Flowers. You thought they were winning their battles during the game one that, That's what jumped out as you went through. And even like even on some of the blitz plays where you're like, well, the blitz actually didn't get home. Just one guy actually beat his guy. Hmm. And then as the game went on and we saw the Bills start to sputter a little bit or not march up and down the field quite as easily, yeah, there was disguises, maybe show that look, drop out. And then, yeah, just let their front four go to work, like you just said there. I mean, they didn't have Raekwon Davis in this game, who you know I like him too. But, yeah, those guys we just talked about on the edge, uh, they can win their one-on-ones. And along with, hey, this guy blitzes, this guy drops out, just to create a little confusion at times and all that, you add Emmanuel Agba into the conversation, you go, they got plenty of guys. They don't need to blitz to force the issue all the time. And what's different than years past, where I think they had to force the issue a little bit, 
was their offense was sucky-ducky the last few years. So they went, defense has got to create a play, few plays for us to win the game. They don't have to do that now. The offense is good enough, right, to where you can go, we don't have to save them on a weekly basis, and you know, hopefully that Josh Boyer and, and Mike McDaniel will figure that out. Yeah, early on it was not working for them. You noted first play, aggressive all-out blitz, digs on that 28-yard game right down, down the, the middle. middle. Right. Uh, first, I think they're touchdowns, too. I, and I think we have a graphic on this, too, Kristen and, and Pete, on Josh Allen and beating the Blitz. It just shows uh, what you're talking about here. Against the Blitz, 22 pass attempts, completed 17 of those. His two passing touchdowns were against the Blitz. Uh, but when he was not blitzed, his yards per attempt was basically cut in half. Right. No touchdowns there. Sacked a couple of times. He was sacked as many times when he was not blitzed to my as point. when he was blitzed. Right. Um, so do you, do you give more credit to the Miami Dolphins for making that adjustment or more blame? And like, they probably shouldn't have been doing this in the first yeah, place. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of bo- both you can go there, right? But I, I think that at the end of the day, you just got to be go, hey, good job self-scouting thyself and realizing, wait, we got to change it up here. And then we can beat these guys. We don't need to do this here. And, and why give him this chance? And then the Bills' game plan was so focused on the all-out blitz and we're going to have a plan and it, you just keep doing it and we're going to keep torching your ass that when Miami started changing it up, the Bills for a period of time had a hard time adjusting. They were like, wait, we called a play for the blitz. We called a play for the blitz. Oh, no. Well, I don't have as many options against the zone coverage here or this you know, detailed zone coverage, whatever else. And that made life hard. So, yeah, it was uh, a good adjustment. And you know, their talent just pops off the, the film when you watch it on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball. I, I mean, they're, even when they're getting torched, you're still going – Man, there's some big, fast dudes. Man, that secondary can fly. And that just, to me, is more evidence of saying you don't need to be quite this aggressive and take that many chances. Buffalo was probably a little freaked out early on, first quarter strip sack, because they had, what, a seven-man pass protection and the Dolphins still got through. Still got there. They messed it up too, though. You know, to that point there, they had a big, they, it was a mess up. It wasn't really like a, oh, wait. We exposed the protection game plan, right? There's a difference there to me. When you expose the game plan and guys are just running free, that's like, oh, crap, they don't have a game plan for it. We already saw them block it a few times and hit some big plays, and here they're set up. He's going he's gonna to throw a post down the middle to Gabe Davis, but I don't know if it's a left tackle or the running back there. They have the numbers. They have the people to pick it up. Allen is actually fading away that way because – he knows his only issue is on the front side where he's outnumbered. So he's kind of backpedaling, going backwards a little bit, buying himself time because he's going, oh my gosh, I got such a great look. And if I put this ball somewhat on the money, it's going to be a 30-yard gain, if not more, if Gabe Davis breaks the tackle, right? So he's floating away going, wait, I'm good on the backside. We're, we're good here. And then, boom, Javon Holland hits him, strip sack fumble, boom, Dolphins score, and it gets them going and gives them a little momentum on that side of the ball. Anything more on Allen? We saw him miss a a wide-open receiver, didn't set his feet late in the game. Right. Could have been the game-winning or go-ahead touchdown. Anything more? Was it an unusually sluggish game for him? I can't say that it was. They need to help him out and just make the game a little easier for him, like I said on Monday. You know, hey, the, the end of the first half, not spiking the ball, that's still a weird one. Like... I don't know if he didn't understand the rule or he whatever. He fumbled the snap. He fumbled the snap, and I think in his mind he thought, oh, you're not allowed to spike the ball that there. But you, you can. This is different than Jacoby Brissett, where there was a little bit of the 
like week one against Carolina, remember? He fumbled yeah. the snap, and then he faked the spike and then spiked it. That should have been intentional grounding. I wonder if that got in his head, but that was a big moment in the football game. Left points on the board there, certainly. And then, hey, the, the, the six-yard out route on fourth down you know, in the end zone. Um, he does have a tendency at times with those kind of balls because he's so talented that he just you know just flicks it out there really fast and just his feet are cockeyed and sometimes they're not even on the ground. It's a little bit Aaron Rodgers ish like, mm. and he missed that. But the problem with that play too that bothers me a little. They had a little cool little rub play and they switch release the two receivers. Gabe Davis is going to be wide open. He's setting up to throw Gabe Davis because he's going to be open over the middle. He gets held. And that makes him, he's kind of like looking at David is like, I'm going to throw it. And then the rules are usually you don't throw late into the flat. So he's trying to make it happen quick because he's going, oh, shit, I didn't really set up the throw there. I've looked over the middle. I don't want to throw a pick six. or anything. So he's trying to throw it really quick. He rushes it. He misses it. And, uh, you know, that was, that was tough to overcome there. You did note that. You thought that the Dolphin secondary may have gotten away with a couple I thought holes. a few. I thought there was a few plays, especially as the, in the third and fourth quarter where, you know, again, I'm not trying to say it made it. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not saying it, they definitely would have won. I just went, man, I watch football all week, and as ticky-tack as everybody is on defense all holding and all this, and they got away with a few egregious ones, I thought, that, you know, again, that happens, and that just was one of those things that happens on that day. That might be a trend, though, because we saw in that Monday night game that you were at in New Jersey. Yes. There were some egregious holds on receivers that were not called. It was ridiculous. I don't know, like, what the hell happened, really, honestly. I mean, after the first two weeks, you're going – Whoa, they're going to call everything. Right. And then this, th- there's two games right there where you go, well, they're just going to let them, you know, attempt, attempted manslaughter on yeah. some of these wide receivers. I mean, they were clear as day. Uh, one more thing on the Bills' yeah, offense please here. Leave me there. Always, always looking for guys out of the backfield. You know, they have a weapon in Stephon Diggs, of course. Yep. And those receivers seem like they could be pretty good with Gabe and McKenzie. But how, how about the guys out of the backfield? We did see Singletary with a big play. Right. But you like some of the things they're doing with Reggie Gilliam, the H back. He's a mismatch. He's, he is. He causes problems because you're a little worried about, you know, the two tight ends set and the eye formation. And, you know, coaches don't want to be out numbered in the run game there as we talk about but his ability in the back I mean as a receiver and as a receiving tight end is quite impressive you know it really is him and Dawson Knox together are going to cause some problems as they continue to figure out this problem and then I'm going to throw on there another guy that I think has got to get infiltrated in this offense and that backfield a little bit is James Cook you know I like Zach Moss and Devin Singletary I do James Cook though I do believe that they can continue to grow his role some of those plays you see Singletary catch the ball and maybe get 10 12 yards and he makes some people miss I go Cook can do that too but he's got an extra gear that's going to that 12 yard like run and catch is going to be 25 yards with James Cook and it jumps off to you on the screen. He's just got to get in the trust tree, I think, in there in the offense as far as protecting the football and yeah. protecting Josh Allen and passing situations. So I think we give a lot of credit to the Dolphins' defense for switching up their game plan and halftime and then figuring out a way to slow down that, that Bills' offense. But I think you really can give that Bills' defense a lot of credit, too, because they were doing it down some men. And I know that Miami had some guys dinged up maybe and coming in and out of the game. Cramping was an issue in that hot game down there. So it's not like the Dolphins' defense didn't do that as well. But as far as the Bills' defense, yeah. you know, they saw the tape. They saw what Tua did against the Ravens, embarrassing them. How did they attack this offense? You know, they're, to me, it's, it's the most well-coached defense in football. I think the first thing you got to say is, look how they played even with that many players missing. I mean, that, that to me says something. 
offense was not nothing special, nothing to write home about with the 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 Dolphins. You know, the Dolphins had two drives. You know, there was only a handful of throws where you go, oh, that, I mean, there was a throw down the field, and that stressed. I mean, it's there's three, four throws the whole day. You know, I think the big thing is, and something we hit on last week after watching the film with the Ravens Dolphins. The Bills had a plan for the bullshit plays. The RPOs, the little quick screens to the receivers, all that. They were not going to let you go, oh, you're going to get us going all over the place with that. And and then now everything else opens up because we're so worried about going to chase Tyree Kill or Waddle on the screen pass behind the line of scrimmage. So how do you do that well, as a defense? They, right. They just were really good at like when they motion to certain formations, making the adjustments, right? The Dolphins might have two receivers to the left, a tight end to the right, a receiver to the right, and then they motion the third receiver over there, and if they like the numbers or how it plays out over there, they go ahead and throw the ball, and then they go, hey, have fun, you guys don't have enough people over, and you got to tackle Tyreek Hill. Good luck, right? The, the Dolphins, I mean, the Bills, you know, they had ways to go, well, wait, they're motioning over, hey, linebacker, kick out there, safety comes down, replaces him, so now we're, if you do run it, we still got people in the gaps, but you're not outnumber us out there and be able to just throw a ball two yards and Tyree Kill run 15 yards up the sideline. So that was impressive. And that's where the Bills are impressive because they don't let too many easy things go down. And you wanted to give credit to the guys who were out there, were playing, the linebackers specifically, Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano. What did you see from those two? They're just, they're they're they're, they're, they're amazing. They're, it's, they're in the conversation for best duo in football. Wow. They are. You know, because one, they're good in the traditional run game. Two, they're made for the modern-day NFL because they're so fast and can cover ground. So, you know, again, like we're talking about one of those formations we just talked about, receiver moves over to the two-receiver side. They can go, hey, Tremaine, bump out there. You know, and you can, you can be in control of the C-gap a little bit, but if you see the ball go out there, you know, you can fly. So get out there, be an extra guy to make the tackle. And that's where they're really, really good. They're, they're, they are the quarterbacks of that defense. They're constantly, they do a lot on defense. They have a lot of adjustments. And their ability to get everybody right and then their physical ability off of that is phenomenal. And, yeah, I mean, they really played almost perfect. If Matt Milano just catches that pick six, um, you would say, well, they played a beyond perfect, amazing football game. So who's going to step up at the secondary for them? Or who did in this game? You got Jordan Poyer was out in this game. Right. Be back at some point. Right. Micah Hyde done, done for the for season, the year. unfortunately. Right. Yep. How about that secondary for yeah. the Bills? I think, you know, the, the, the good thing about the Bills and why they can get away with this maybe more than other teams, right, is they don't, they don't play a ton of man-to-man. No, no. They are smartly coached zone football team. You've heard me say this about McDermott a lot, right? He just He's one of those guys, McDermott and Leslie Frazier, I don't know what this coverage is. Nobody ever taught me what this coverage is. It's called bunch of fuckers are in the spot where we're trying to throw the ball. Yeah. I don't know how they do it, but they do it, right? So that's where they're really good. They don't necessarily put tremendous pressure on any of their guys. Um, but the guys that they do have in there, I mean, Kair Ilham, he was solid, definitely. He tackles for sure. Teron Johnson is a baller. Uh, you know, he's he, their nickel. He's corner. their nickel corner, and he is. I, I you know, I would think going to get paid at some point. Hmm. You know, if, if if he isn't under contract, because he just he's great in the pass game. He's great in the run game. And then when you know you get into the safeties there. Hey, they did a pretty damn good job, too. I got no problem with the way Jaquan Johnson played. He did a lot of good things. You know, I mean, overall, I, I looked at that group and said they certainly weren't the reason they lost that game. You know, the Dolphins made a few plays, but I didn't look at it and go, oh, man, 
you know, they really fucked up or that was really bad on their part on these young guys who are not playing, you know, as, as much or uh, haven't played that much. And when Milano dropped that pick six, yeah, that was a point in the game. You're watching this film. You're like, man, if he makes this play, that Dolphins offense was not looking good before that play, and you wonder what they would have been after that I, play. It, I do. It, it was, uh, I think the, the phrase I used is like the Dolphins were hanging on by a thread at that point. You felt like the, Do- the Bills had all the momentum. The Dolphins had really put together only one drive the whole game, and all the other drives were like, okay, maybe they got a first down, but then it was three and out after that, or it was just three and out. And there, was, there wasn't much to it, to where you're going, this is Smothersville. They, they can't do anything. Right, so uh, that that was, I thought, a crucial moment, and Miami, of course, found their rhythm a little bit and made some plays there in the fourth quarter. Yeah, the third and twenty-two. That yes. was the other crucial moment where they right. converted that. Uh, and I think you know, every week we have to have this a referendum on Tua: is he good? Is he bad? Uh, is he average? Is he okay? Right. The, the things that he did well that you noted, you know, passing to the flat, some of the play action, the pop, the slant, yes. the curl routes. Right, he's great. So at the all things that. that you liked yes. with Tua. Right. Closer look here, looking for treasure. Yeah. What did you think of this game? It, it was solid. You know, I didn't come away looking again to go like, oh, wow, or oh, wow, it's bad and I'm concerned. It was good. He took advantage of what was there the, for the most part. He did. Um, you know, I, I'm not, I don't, I can't lie and tell you that I come away and just go, oh my gosh, it's so good. It's amazing. All right. Right. All right. It's not bad. But I'm still not going to sit here and tell you that, like, oh, wow, he's one of the top-tier quarterbacks in football. If people are expecting that, no, they're not. You know, they're just not going to get it from me. Um, the offense delivers a lot for him, there's no doubt, and he's got good feel. But, but some of my questions that I still have and had before the year are still going to be relevant as we go on here, and I'm not changing that yet. i got to see more here as we go along. But, hey, that last touchdown drive, he makes the big out route to Waddle for like 20, 25 yards, you know, hits the third and 22 down the middle, and all of a sudden you're going, man, a game they're kind of getting dominated in, but they hung around. Holy shit, we got a game, they might win this, who knows? And uh, I give him credit for that. He hasn't made the major mistake. He tried to with the Matt Milano pick six, but, you know, other than that, stayed clean, he's playing tough, and I'm going to give him credit there for sure. He just beat Josh Allen. Yep. And last week he beat Lamar Jackson. I know. It might, was all him. It was just be. him. He was the only guy on the field. <laughs> who might be the MVP this year as we transition to Whoa, another game. More. But hold on. One more. You're, you're like that guy. What is it? Yeah. Um, what was that show? Columbo. Columbo. Yeah. Columbo. Yeah, 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 he almost leaves yeah, the room and yeah. then turns around like, oh, I, oh, one, one more, more thing. Yeah. yeah. One and more thing. The, it's the biggest point. Yeah. Yeah. We changed the graphic, but... Pete's allowing one more thing. The big play on third and 22. Yeah. I do wonder if Tremaine Edmonds should have kept going back, right? They're playing Tampa 2, all right? Tampa 2, we talked about it on Monday. The middle linebackers got to run down the middle. They put some cheese in front of them, right? Mm-hmm. And made Sherfield curl up at, at like 15 yards. Okay. My understanding and my, my, of this that defense is they dropped the defense alignment out, right? So... He has underneath coverage, and it's supposed to be kind of the scary guy. Like, you know, if you want to throw it down the middle, he's there, but it's going to be it have to be a perfect throw. So I do wonder, as much as we talked about the safeties replacing Micah, Hoare, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, 
I, just, I wonder if, if that rule on that is Tremaine Edmonds should still be deep mm-hmm. because there is somebody underneath, and then you rally to make the tackle. I don't know for sure. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, just something that was interesting to me. Sorry about that. Tua has yet to make a big play where the defense didn't screw up, is what we're saying. <laughs> Put that in a tweet, quote Chris. Uh, no, that's a, that's, a, that's a fair point. All right, now... Kristen, now we can change the graphic. Thank you, okay. everybody. Thank you. Way to go, Kristen. Chris has promised me that we're not going back to that one. Ravens and Patriots, which was a great transition, too. It was like Tua beat, beat Josh, and now he's beat Lamar. But yeah, you did it again. Great it transition <laughs> number two. <laughs> All right, this Ravens team, wow, they're an exciting team to watch. This was an exciting game. They yep. beat the Patriots, and I think the Patriots did some things on offense that we'll note here in a second that Definitely. were impressive. Maybe they're more of a big play offense than... We previously thought, but Lamar Jackson's a big play machine just by himself, a one-man wrecking crew. For years, we've said the Ravens are a run-first team. Right. They're a run-first team. They start with a run that opens up the pass. Is that still the case after taking a closer look at this offense? No, it's not. After three weeks of watching this, they are a pass-first team, right? A pass-first team, and because of Lamar Jackson make you play makes the defense play a run first defensive game plan. Wow. And that's where he's again that's 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 different. See, that's where again he that quarterback is in a different stratosphere because it's one guy forcing a whole different game plan. It's a little bit like Josh Allen that way. That's where that's where I hold them in such high regard. You know, and then you know what he's doing overall so you have to always play a defense where you go, well, they might run the quarterback design run, and we're screwed if they do, if we play this pass defense here. So you try to kind of have the best of both worlds a little bit, and within that, you play some defenses that, yeah, you get simplified, like I've heard, you know, you've heard me say before, and they become some looks where you go, yeah, they can't do that crazy coverage on second and seven that they like to do to most teams. Because of the Lamar Jackson run threat and what he can do, and that lends it to Lamar carving your ass up in the passing game. All right, so let's take a, a closer look here at, at Lamar yeah. and what he is doing perhaps better than he has done in the past, even maybe his MVP year. How, how does he look in the pocket? Yeah, well, that's, that's like everybody like, who wants to hold on to that conversation anymore. Whoa, that's over. All right, so stop with that. Like, oh, he's he can't beat you with his arm and dropping back. Yeah, yeah, he can. He's three and zero doing it actually. So he can beat you doing that. All right, he we saw that last year too. He he won some games early in the year with his arm throwing in the pocket, and that's where to me it's gone next level. And to me, where it's also taken, you know, this talk or this conversation of. You know, giving him two hundred million guarantees is scary because if he hurts his leg, he'll never be the same and won't be able to run. So I don't know. And I want to go. No, he's going to be awesome. Still, he's going to be awesome. He's a better thrower than Dak Prescott and some of those other guys that we view as packet pocket passing quarterbacks. Right? His arm is ex- it's it's incredibly explosive, and he is extremely accurate and. Okay, I'm not going to say he's Josh Allen or Mahomes with the magician-like throws, right? But it's not that far off. He's he's up there with sidearm completions on the year with anybody in the game. I mean, so he can drop it down and do different things there. Pete, can we get the numbers on that? Yeah, sidearm, sidearm completions. Get that done, all right? <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, that to me is like – and then added to the decision-making – 
again, it's just it's it's off the charts. Yeah, he made a bad decision in this game. He had the one interception, you know. But I mean, it's very few for the whole year for a guy that they're relying on to win the game with his arm. He had four touchdown passes. I think that fourth touchdown pass is something you're talking about. Decision making, being able to identify what the defense is doing to you or trying to get you to do. You noted it was a, a blitzed safety man coverage. Yes. What do, you, do you remember I'm, about that? I know. That? I'm, I'm, I'm like, I've watched so many plays. Hold on. Let me just see here. I yeah. know. But it speaks to your point of, of that, you know, he's, he's comfortable in the pocket. He's comfortable throwing multiple arm slots and angles. He just seems overall more comfortable reading defenses maybe too. He, he definitely does. And you're, it's driving me crazy because I'm like, wait, I can't believe I'm forgetting this exact play there. Um, but, yeah. Well, this is the other thing he put – he like – he he got them in. They wanted to play, you know, some zones and do all of that a little bit, but he picks you apart. And then and then you play some coverage in a four man rush and he finds somewhere to run and you can't contain him. Yeah. And so then the the Patriots got into all right, well, let's just rush five because it'll it'll help in the run game and then maybe we'll be able to contain him that way. And he's just really good at, you know, recognizing all of that. And again, it's just more about the bind that he puts you in uh, in those situations. That is really, really impressive. It really is, and and uh, that is the Lamar effect. And you know what? Look at this. I I I, I, I picked the play right here just to to get to it. This is the the touchdown pass that made it twenty twenty eight twenty right. The fourth one, Duvernay, right? Yep. Yeah, just uh, it was. It was a great job. It, really, the big thing is is knowing the coverage and then putting the ball in an unbelievable place for Duvernay to go get it in the back corner of the end zone. You know, for a guy who can't throw it and can't beat you in the pocket, it just was kind of good. I thought I thought that was pretty cool. The wide receivers have been impressing you with their ability and their speed. I got a question though here from Static. Yeah. Can y'all address how the Ravens coaches don't scheme up targets for their actual wide receivers like other teams do while only creating plays for Mark Andrews? Right. Well, do you agree with that? Yeah, I, they, they don't. They don't. They maybe don't scheme quite as much that way. They just call their plays. Now, you know, are the plays at times favorable to Mark Andrews? Yes, they definitely. He's probably the one guy I'd say they focus on a little bit. I think Rashad Bateman's got to come in his way a little bit though here too. I do. I think he's about to enter the trust tree where they go, we got to force the ball to him. He's too good not to, you know, be a major part of our game plan on a weekly basis. But it, again, it's not necessarily always drawing up the play for Mark Andrews. It's because of the, what the defenses have to play to stop some of the other Lamar stuff that we're talking about are very favorable to Mark Andrews down the middle of the field. Mm. Whether it's the play action or wait, we have an extra guy in the box, and now we're playing three deep, and he's on the inside and gets to run that kind of crossing route. We see him 15, 20 yard, very hard, and that covers to stop him all the time. Right. So because of their style and how they play, it lends. It's not like Roman's like, let's go to the Mark Andrews play. You know, gun trips right, sixty four, all goes special, halfback burst on one. Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews on one break. Like <laughs> it's it's that it's not that. But that's it's, interesting. But a that. lot of the times yeah. it just ends up being that way. And of course he's really freaking good. That, that makes sense. Complimentary right. football. Complimentary right? Take what the football. defense is giving no, you. And no doubt about it. If that no can doubt. play to some of your strengths, which Mark Andrews is one of their strengths, uh, all more power to him. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. 
No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Uh, that offensive line, you know, we, we've talked about the running game, how it hasn't gotten going in the past. They're, they're, they've been able to score points, and they're doing it a different way, which is fine. <laughs> um, you thought the interior of their offensive line with uh, Zeitler and Ben Powers and, and Linderbaum. You thought they were good. Yeah, they're getting close. They're getting closer up there. They, they and then they need Ronnie Stanley back at left tackle, and that, who, who that's might coming be close, soon. Right? Sounds like yeah, that's yeah. pretty close. So th- that'll help. And they had uh, Daniel Falele in this game, which is he's a rookie. The first time that he's played this much, I think Patrick Macari got hurt early in the game. He did exactly right. Falele, huge guy from Minnesota. Right, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the Ravens pillaging the biggest people on the planet as always. <laughs> he struggled a bit. He struggled for sure, no doubt about it. You know, um, but I do have hope for them. And then J.K. Dobbins, at least, you know, he's playing, and he doesn't look quite quite himself. But you know, it's still it's a threat. And Justice Hill, at least, had a few carries of some positive yardage to where you go, man. If they can get this going, which they need to, yeah, because. Their offense is going to have to carry them, and I know we're going to get to that conversation in a second. They can't just always rely on Lamar making the big plays, the big throws, all of that. Certainly not. Um, you know, and I think the last thing I'll say is just like, you know, we always talk about Bill Belichick taking away the best thing. You can There's yeah. no answers. It's 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 hard to stop this new generation of QBs, Lamar's and Josh Allen's of the world. You know, yeah, your scheme certainly helps, but you got to have some real dudes on the other side. And I don't know if they have enough dudes there to contain these guys at times. You know, mm-hmm. the only thing I looked at the whole game where I went, oh, this is favorable to the Patriots, were third, obviously passing situation, seven plus, right? They got to do it. And then maybe they could stress out the protection rules, right? This guy's faking the blitz, he drops out. Another guy blitzes. Even though we only rushed four or five, we got pressure on you. That was about all of the day. I mean, I came away, I think, and you saw him in my notes where I just went, you know, it wasn't an inspiring game plan where I was like, ooh, look at what they're doing here. This is cool, yeah. right? And I think, again, that's the Lamar Lamar effect. And uh, Yeah, it might have been the know, smartest way do. to play it, too, it, right? It, I think so. Because well, they still gave themselves a chance to win at the end of the day. That's the point. They did. Exactly right. There, is, there it was. The game was 31-26, to 26, and the Patriots got the ball two times to go down and maybe kick two field goals or score a touchdown. One of those times they were down there inside the 10-yard line on the interception, and it didn't work out. So you're right. I think that's what it was. It's just like, let's not get blown off the field. Let's just kind of contain this guy and hang around because we don't think the Ravens' defense is very good and we'll make plays there. Well, that's going to be an interesting thing to watch because you think, will the Baltimore Ravens need to score? 30 points a game you wouldn't figure that Ravens have had a pretty strong defense opportunistic defense for a lot of years creating turnovers taking them back for a touchdown so as we flip over to the other side the (laughs) Ravens defense let's start there what'd you see pass rush wise first were they able to to get to Mac Jones make him uncomfortable what'd they do there no they did nothing that's where they don't have an impressive defensive lineman on their football team. Maybe Travis Jones, now that he's back, right, for the kid they got in the third round or fourth round from, from UConn, UConn, right? You know I loved him coming out in the draft. Um, but but at no point did I sit there and go, oh, man, oh, the Ravens defensive line looks better this week. I mean, the, the Patriots had their way no matter what it was. It doesn't matter. Oh, we want to run for five up the middle? Sure. Oh, we want to drop back and you're going to rush four? Well, I'm, I'm going to sit here and pat the ball seven times. I mean, it's, there's no chance. 
You know, one of you know, I even wrote, you know, on the first drive of the game, they only got off the field. It was a five man pressure because you know, because Cole Strange kind of messed up passing off, you know, two guys that were twisting. So there's Cole Strange, UT Chattanooga. UT Chattanooga. I'm gonna think of that every time. I know now with Cole Strange. I but it's just overall, yeah. yes. I to your question, I do think they're gonna have to score about thirty plus a game for the most part. Yeah, you noted they're not great at getting off blocks in the run game or the pass game. Um, they, they're, they're nothing. There's no playmaking from that defensive line at all. And that's I know unusual. they lost Justin Ellis now, who might have a torn bicep, yeah. I heard, uh, earlier this morning. You know, Adafi away, he looks like he's got the physical talent to be that guy. He's got to start doing something more in the passing game. But, like, I, I, re- I, I know you saw this. At one point I wrote, the Ravens literally can't play any in defense that involves a four-man rush. Man or zone. It doesn't matter how creative it is in the back end because they can't get there. So even if it's a cool zone, it's like, okay, great. I mean, I back here for six seconds, somebody's going to come open in this zone. Or, hey, it's man and they're doing something cool. Okay, well, they can't cover the guy all over the field for five seconds. And that's where it, it is concerning and um, – yeah, I don't know what they're going to do here. It's it's a real issue. Man, how about this Ravens team? Struggles playing defense. They're a pass-first team with Lamars. It's completely right? different. Like, what is this? Seen. Are we talking about the Ravens? <laughs> Bizarre I know. world. All right, so Patriots, so then do you give Matt credit because he had some big plays against this defense, which yep. might not be quite as good as we thought to start the year. Also had some interceptions and some bad plays. Overall for Mac from watching the tape, what would you see? Yeah, it's it's – it's like, gosh, it was the gift and the curse game. He did a lot of good things and made a lot of great throws. And and when they did get man-to-man, they, they struck. I mean, they did. And I, I think even at one point, because the Ravens were having to blitz, I just kept going, man, it just seems like every time they blitz, he's hitting a deep crosser or you know a go route for 20, 25 yards. I mean, it, it was like that. He was putting the ball on the money. So... Um, that that I like from that standpoint, it was encouraging because you're going, man. Mac looks good. They're making plays, throwing the football. You know, their offense looks expo- more explosive. It's going in that right the right direction there. Um, but of course, they're not going to have them here for a few weeks, and that that stinks for him because I, I do think they're. You know, every week's been a little bit better. Uh, so I'm not giving up on this Patriots offense. I, I don't know they're not going to be as good without him. That's for sure. But I do think there's hope for when he comes back to go. You know they might be able to move the ball and and be something on that side of the ball and be something as a complete team because I I do think the the Patriots defense is pretty damn good too. So Brian Hoyer is going to get the start if Matt can't go. Bill Belichick said that today. Brian, I was like Brian Hoyer still on the he's still, still on there. the team right. They can't go with Bailey Zappi right. No. He was not. I know they like him and he's thrown the ball a lot and he's smart and all that. He's physically not that gifted. He wasn't even trustworthy in preseason with some of the decisions and interceptions he threw. Yeah. So yeah, they're going to go with Brian Hoyer. He's there. He's in the trust tree with them. We'll see. We'll see where that goes. But yeah, I wouldn't expect them to be able to. You know, not that the offense is going to change greatly, but they're not going to have the same confidence in him and some of the pass plays that he's going to make some of the throws and plays that Mac yeah. Jones does. You'll hear every pundit out there say that now maybe they're going to have to rely on the running game a little bit more. And you like those two running backs, though, in Stevenson and Davis. And I know they're switching up ways and experimenting with new ways and blocking for them. Oh, Harris, Damian Harris. Yeah. What did I say? What did you say? I don't even know. Davis. Davis, yeah. okay. Da- I call it. him Davis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Harris and Stevens. Thanks, Pete, for the assist there. Um, what did you see from, from them and their ability to run the ball and how they might have to lean on that maybe the next couple of weeks? Yeah. I mean, the offensive line, you know, for the most part, it really does look good. 
It does. I mean, they're they're capable of moving some people, and they both have, you know, Stevenson maybe a little more shifty and be able to make you miss and break arm tackles that way. Harris is a little bit more like, I'm just going to the line a million miles per hour. If you want to stick your head or get down and hit me while I'm doing it, have fun. Hmm. All right? It's a little bit like that. So there's, but they're both big and powerful too. It's it's Bill. He wants guys that are going to run the ball for the most part to be power type runners. But uh, I I love their combination. I think it's a pretty damn special one. And they both can catch the ball out of the backfield too. So it's not like they have to come off the field or or do anything like that in certain situations. But you know, I think the the big thing is offense look better. Lamar caused problems for the defense. They still had chances there to win the football game. You know, the Mac Jones throw interception down the middle, uh, and I'm going to try to remember, that might have been the Josh Bynes one, I believe, right? Is that the one I'm, 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 I'm you know, that was, um, all, uh, let me just see. Yeah, that, that, that one was bad. That was bad. He was didn't, that the one after they were down 28 to 20, play action, had all day, forced it? Yes, exactly right. I know I had this. I was just looking at it, and I lost it. But, yeah, that was the one to Josh Bynes down the middle where I just went, man, I just uh, I can't believe he threw it. Why did he force it? There was a guy in the flat open. Harris was out there, right, yeah. For, like, 10 or 15 yards. Davis. Yeah, D- <laughs> David, good old Davis. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the Marlon Humphrey, I've heard people, you know, go, well, that was looked like it was pass interference, the jump ball in the end zone. Yep. This is where the world is confused because they just see contact, and they go, Pass interference defense. The defense is allowed to stand on a spot. Just because you run into them doesn't mean it's pass interference on them. They yeah. they when they're on that spot, they own that spot. So that's where like I've I've had a, even a few people in the office go, Well, that looked like pass interference. So I'm like, he literally ran into Marlon Humphrey. Yeah. Right? What was Marlon Humphrey supposed to do? Like dodge out of the way or fall down and just go, Oh, go ahead, cut your touchdown. You want to come here? All right, watch Right, yeah. right. So he is so the, you know, but I just couldn't believe that throw either. That was uh, an incredibly bad decision and a and a big moment again where the field goal would have still kept the game very tight and put pressure on Baltimore to execute and you would have been down by two points where a field goal might win the game for you later on. Ravens and Bills coming up this week. That'll be a good one. We'll see if either defense can contain the offensive there. We'll see if uh, Baltimore, ha- they have to be blitz-centric. They're not getting that rush with four men, but blitz has been something that has been able to be handled by Josh Allen, so that'll be an interesting strategy for that, them. Uh, th- I mean, that is going to be very interesting. What do you do? What do you do? Well, yeah, yeah. I just uh, I, this, it's an interesting game. It is. And I'm excited to see McDermott and Leslie Frazier, their wits to stop the Lamar run game. Right. And then... Yeah, I mean, I think Mike McDonald and company—they got to adjust how they're playing a little bit. I don't—I don't know—I don't know what to do. I don't know what to even tell him to do, because they're, you know, not Peters isn't totally full, hundred percent yet. So they can't just play lockdown man-to-man and blitz. They're not—they're not good enough that way to do that. And like we said, they have no chance of getting pressure with their front four at all, and that's not a good thing with Josh Allen. Well, no one knows how to slow down the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. I mean, as we said, coming into the year, they're going to be the most dominant team. They're going to beat the Chargers by 28. Uh, just don't go back and listen to our <laughs> preseason predictions. Although Chris has been very high on the Jaguars since he saw them in the preseason, and they looked awesome. Now everyone's jumping on the bandwagon yeah. of the Jacksonville Jaguars. We took a look at the Jaguars offense right. against the Chargers defense here. 
Um, and I want to start just with the quarterback here. I know it's not all about the quarterback, yeah, but, but I think but, yeah. of all players on the, the Jacksonville offense, he is a lightning rod. Because last year you were very critical of, of Trevor Lawrence. You're like, man, there's some red flags here it with was, Trevor was, Lawrence. Yeah, there was some worry, right? I mean, you you know me. I, there was games where I was just like, what the hell? Like, I don't think he threw one good quality football the whole game. I went, what the hell? Is he just going to stand there and never move up in the pocket or feel the pocket at all? And, you know, added to that and then, you know, the the things I told you, you know, I think I said it on the pod a few times with some people in the NFL were telling me and how he looked in pregame warmups, right, where I was going, damn, I, I mean, oh, my gosh. Um, and, of course, the Hall of Fame game, how he looked in person there started to, started to change my opinion. And then the preseason games after that, you started to go, whoa, he looks really good. And here we are three games in, and I go, damn. We might be we might be onto something here. This might be the new guy in the conversation that's that's going towards the you know elite quarterback. You know he certainly has that potential, and he's starting to put it all together. Three touchdowns through the air. Uh, he's also dangerous with the legs, mobile, moving around. So what what did you see in this game specifically that made you go, wow, he's really turned a corner here, or this is a different player than I saw last year? Him specifically, specifically, he never maybe missed one or two throws the 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 whole game, and and. I mean, really, the control on the ball, the power on the football, you know, the 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 ability to see the field. He's not sticking on to a receiver too long. All of that was really good. I mean, it's it's beyond really good. It is, and I just think he's become a little bit of a machine throwing the ball. So now it's making his decisions better too, because I feel like last year it was affecting decisions. See what happens when you don't can trust yourself to control the ball. You go. He's open, but I'd like him to be more open because I don't really trust where my ball is going to go here, right? Mm -hmm. You know, now he's going, oh, he's open by a foot. Fuck that. First down, right? So that's where he's great. The in the pocket has gone through the roof good. Stepping up, sliding to the appropriate area, making the throw, or would I say just get out of dodge time? Like he's got a great feel for, okay, wait, one, two, nothing was open. It seems like it's closing. Let me get out of here. I don't think anything exemplifies that more than his first touchdown pass to Zay Jones. 14 yard pass. He's kind of reading to the left. He comes back to the right, doesn't like what he sees. He starts running outside the pocket. Zay Jones does a great job adjusting to him, and he makes a great throw to him in the back of the end zone for the touchdown, and they never look back. But to him specifically, that's definitely the things that jump out to you. So maybe he's just a little bit more comfortable in the offense this year than he was last year a little bit different offense but second year in the league what have you seen from Doug Peterson and what he is doing because we have a history with Doug Peterson we know what he did in in Philadelphia it was very successful for him a lot of times got him to a Super Bowl um it's different it's not the same it's not it's not. It's 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 three weeks of me now. Just go. You know, I was at the end uninspired by Doug Peterson and some of the offense that he was running in Philadelphia. I was just like, what? Oh, shotgun. Oh, tight end to the left, receiver to the left, two receivers to the right. Basic concepts. Just going. Damn. All right. I mean, come on. Where did Doug Peterson of the Super Bowl year go? And I just I I was I wondered, but. Like now, you see, first off, they have talent. We know that. That that that's a real thing. But forget all the talent. It's the it's the amount or variety of plays and schemes they have now that's impressive to me. It's the amount of you know I'm big on pre-step movement and motion. 
Not only does it give clues to the quarterback about what's going to be played, but it puts stress on the defense because they're good defenses are trying to wait. They're in this formation. We're calling this defense, but they went to the other formation. We want to check to the other defense. And if you're not great at communicating, somebody fucks up. So that's where they put real pressure on you. And then he stays patient with the run game on top of that. You know, which is something else I was also didn't like at the end of Philly. I was just like, how many times are we going to jam the three-yard pass in there? Can we just run the ball a little bit? So uh, from all that stuff, it's just, it's just more. It's more on all facets of their offense. And you couple that with the talent and the way the quarterback's playing, they put you in a real bind, and that's what they did to the Chargers. They really did. They got the Chargers to – the Chargers want to get you in a passing game. So now – we can rush the passer, and I'm Brandon Staley, and I got all these cool zone coverages and man combination coverages, and you you don't know what you're getting, right? But they they took they overpowered them in the run game, and because of that, they made the Chargers have to play the bare front on downs and distances they probably didn't want to, and then five guys across the board on five guys across the board, and that leads to great. You know, passing looks too for Trevor Lawrence. So that was, I think, uh, another big theme of the game for me. You wrote wow in your notes and tough to match up with Evan Ingram, Marvin Jones, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, who you've already mentioned here. The two uh, running backs. And also the running backs right. in James Robinson. And there was that game changing play in the second half, fourth and one, 50 yard touchdown to make it 23 to 10. What did you see on that play? What did you like about the design by Doug Peterson on that on that fifty yard touchdown the, run? The, the the cool thing is, first off, you know, one of the questions I know I had about the Jags going in the air is the offensive line, right? You know, the right tackle position was up for grabs. You know, um, their big left tackle. Um, I don't know why I want to say Cam Thomas, but it's not Cam Thomas. Um, Cam Robinson. Thank you, yeah. thank you, Pete. There you go. Uh, just go Davis, yeah. like I do. If you don't know, just go Davis, and it might be right. You know that, but the center position. But then they they draft a center who's damn good, and and Luke Fortner, right? So he's done well. They get Brandon Scherf in free agency, and you just look at all that stuff, and you go, wow, they they got something here. You know, they really do. And then the tackles are playing good off of that. So. The, that's the encouraging thing. Like I worried about their pass rush in this game, the Chargers on that group. That that wasn't a worry. One was a little bit because of how they played and they kept them patient and do all that and ran the ball. But um, that play specifically, Ahmed, it, it, you know, a weird alignment from the Chargers. The Chargers, there was, you know, of course, a goal line formation by the Jacksonville Jaguars where there was three tight ends on the end of the line of scrimmage, and the the. Chargers defense has 5D linemen all inside the left tackle of the offense, right? They're all over there. So you got you know, one in the gap between the guard and the tackle, one in the gap between the guard and the center, one in the gap between, or maybe even head up, like a shade nose between the center and the guard that way, and then you know, two more right down the line in the gaps there as well, with a guy on the end of the line of scrimmage at linebacker. But the guys on the left where you go, whoa, there's a lot of guys over there, they're all DBs. They're all, it's like they were going, we're going to scare you with numbers, so you won't run it here, and then you'll have to run it to the big guys. And what I loved about it was Jacksonville said, no, no, you guys are 180 pounds. Like, fuck you guys. We're running right over at those 580-pound guys, and we're just going to blow them off the ball. And then they pulled a guard around, 
and there they were in a situation that the Chargers did not want to be, and then that led to James Robinson, you know, untouched for a 50-yard touchdown. I think that's a good jumping-off point for the Chargers in defense. Not a whole lot to talk about there. Uh, Bosa got hurt early in the game, so that's never going to help He's going to be gone for a little while. Uh, That's a bummer. Um, But they've had a problem for a year, over a year now, stopping the run. Maybe it's longer than that, actually. Uh, that play specifically, um, are you starting to get some clues on what's what's gone wrong there? Yeah, well, I just worry about lack of big people in the middle of their That's, defense. Yeah. Uh, that that would be the the big thing to me. You know, like um, this defense traditionally always has big people, right? This is Vic Fangio. You go back to the 49ers in 2011-12, big people. You go to the, the Bears when Vic Fangio was there. Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman were there, right? Big people. And then that allowed them to play with everything. Right now, it seems like they've taken the approach of like, you know, let's be quick, let's be athletic, let's shoot gaps, let's have those kind of guys. And there's just not enough there. You know, they have Austin Johnson, who, you know, is in year seven, and he's a good player, but nothing special. And they have one other guy, the rookie from UCLA, uh, Agbangnia, right? Something like that. But I, I do think that's a little bit of an issue for them as we go along here against these teams that can power run the football. They're going to be compromised there. One of the games I'm circling for next week, Jaguars at Eagles. The Doug Peterson Bowl, that's going to be uh, be fun to watch. But Ooh. the Jaguars are a hot team right now. Bet MGM wants in on the action here too. So we got some odds with the Jaguars. Interesting to see where they sit currently as as opposed to where they were before so last week their over under win total was 6.5 now it's up to 7.5 and their odds to win the afc south plus 220 they were plus 300 before so everything trending in a positive direction now and to make the playoffs i think this is the one that stands out the most to me plus 125 that's almost even money for the jaguars to make the playoffs right now as we sit here going into week number four yeah i i mean this would be the one as I've told friends, or even you know, in the summer, I just said if there's a team that comes out of nowhere, here's my team, uh, and and I think if jump on it now, jump on it now, they can win the AFC South. Not saying they're gonna, but they are definitely capable, and they're capable against the Eagles. You know, we think the Eagles have the best roster in football, or one of the two, three best, right? Right? Yeah. You know, the Jags. It's not far behind. It's young. We got to see a little bit more here, but what I've seen through three weeks ago is they are not going to be physically overmatched by the Philadelphia Eagles this weekend. That's where I'm excited for that football game. There is no doubt about it. You know, the Eagles can easily start this year off ten and two with the way they play. This is one of the few games in the first ten games where I go, this team actually has the horses to make things a little interesting here mm. and a little creativity to go along with that. So if you want to. You know, get the BetMGM app and start downloading it. Do that <laughs> and get on the Jags action now because there, there's a, you know. The odds are only going to get worse. They're only going to get worse. They really are. I'm telling you, they will because I just, I, I, there's, there's no, nothing I look at them right now to go, they got lucky or this is a concern. I actually look at it and go, if they had just played a little bit more and it wasn't week one and all that in Washington, they, if they had to play Washington today, they're going to beat Washington. They're going to beat their ass on the ground. Right, so th- my big thing, and I'll say this to end it with Jacksonville, young team, but they got patience and execution, a really impressive defense. They're capable of long drives. They can mix a little everything. 
You know, it wasn't like it was just big plays and we got lucky, right? It was toughness, execution, ball control. I'd love that. They're going to be tough to beat. And I, you know, like I said with Lawrence, wow. And then, you know, great decisions he's making, making a few plays. And, you know, they have a system that if you want to take away the big plays, you want to take away Christian Kirk or Evan Ingram way down the field. You know, this is where I, I you might have saw I wrote this at the end of my notes. Like, see, the Chiefs couldn't do that. Like, the Jaguars were like, oh, okay, you want to take away those big plays? Well, we can just be surgical and eight yards and six yards and ten yards and eight yards and do that. And that's where they're going to be tough. And I'm excited to see that game. To me, that is like one of the the better games of the yeah. week. It's, I'm, I'm, it's the Chris Sims Ahmed Farid Bowl. I like that one. Yeah. Get them while the betting's good. Get them while, while the good. odds are good. The action never stops at BetMGM. You can sign up now using the bonus code SIMS and your first wager is risk free up to $1,000, Chris. Whoa. And I got to get to the read here and I'm getting All there. Right, so say I want to bet $100 on Trevor Lawrence to win the MVP. Okay. So if you do and you win, you'll yeah. get $3,000. But if you lose, you'll still get $100 worth of free bets, Ahmed. I like that okay good we all like that simply download the bet mgm app today or you can go to betmgm.com enter the bonus code sims two m's always remember two m's, two m's. I, I bet the people, homies know that already yeah, but, but people mess that up all the time make your first because i don't want this credit to go to some you know what's a what, another sims out there There's the sims a video game yeah, i don't sims know video yeah you know, you're right cam sims four. Sims, yeah, cam, uh, <laughs> yeah don't let cam sims get the credit for this uh first wager risk-free up to one thousand dollars bet mgm the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Pete, can I go to the uh, Big Butt of the Week Awards here? Can we Let's do that do right it. now? Because I, uh, just a real aside, we're about to get to the Chiefs offense Cue here. the music here. We, I don't think we have music. Oh, we don't have the, a uh, Big Butts and I can now. Oh, uh, we probably can't use that. Kid, and, uh, do we have that Sir Mix-a-Lot? Yeah, Sir Mix-a-Lot. Yeah. Big Butts Award. You probably can't even say that without have us having to pay them, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm the defensive line expert. An expert in training. You, you are. Know, I'm still trying. I'm, yes. Uh, I'm still at the novice level, but I want to give a big butt of the week award. So I want to give one to a defensive tackle, cool. and I want to give one to an edge guy. All right, so really big butt, and then just a big butt. Yeah, big butt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Smaller, but still big. <laughs> still big. Still big uh, by the normal man terms, for sure. <laughs> so I wanted to do it here because the Jacksonville Jaguars, you've been talking about that defense all season long, how right. good they are. My edge big butt of the week goes to Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen. The other Josh Allen. I don't know. He keeps playing like this. He will maybe be the Josh Allen. (laughs) Yeah, he is. This dude's a player. He really is. You know, I wasn't, like, in love with him and love with him coming out as a pass rusher. I thought he was a little stiff. He's better in that department than I thought, but I think overall he's just a really awesome football player who can do it all. You know, he's a big, explosive man when you see him in person. And... Yeah, he is disruptive in just about all areas of the game. Four quarterback hits on yeah. a quarterback that did not want to get hit. the hits right. at all right. with Justin Herbert. <laughs> Ten hurries in the game, so he was around him. One batted ball, so he was doing it all. Yep. On the defensive line uh, interior, the defensive tackle big butt of the week, 
I'm going with a Falcon, Grady Jarrett. Played I like 60 it. snaps. I like that. I like a defensive tackle who plays a lot, You like too. a big butt that's got an endurance. I'm biased towards right. that. Had four hurries. And in a, shape, big butt. He's in shape. Had four hurries. Had a sack late in the game, which led to a game-sealing interception the very next play. Through three games, he has more sacks and tackles for a loss than he did all of last season. I'm giving the award this week to Grady Jarrett. Yeah, I like that too. I didn't get to watch that on film or anything like that, but man, I you know we we've, we've talked about Grady Jarrett. He's certainly, you know, him or AJ Terrell are the best players on that that defense. And it was a down year last year. It's good to see that you know he's he has been disruptive and he's he's kind of popped in every game they've played so far. He's yeah. he's a hell of a football. This player. This will be big for him. The inaugural defensive tackle, big butt of the week. Yeah, I hope right. it helps him. Gives right. him some confidence moving you forward. Gonna, is you gonna make a T-shirt for him or anything? We like, should do a. Can should. we do some sort of graphic design on that? Maybe right. make a big butt and send him on a T-shirt. Like, hey, look, you made Ahmed's big butt award. Right. You've got the football head with a button shirt up. Right. That's your logo. Right. My logo is just some big butt. It's just big butt. I don't know how you draw that without it looking really <laughs> weird. If that on a t-shirt yeah. but good luck yeah, yeah tweeted out with no context people are like what are they doing over there <laughs> uh the chiefs what are they doing against the colts how can they lose this game 2017 was the final score we went through the game and kind of some of the things that we thought uh just a couple days ago um but um you've taken a closer look at this right now and let's just start this off with a homie let's let a homie direct the beginning of okay. this conversation i if like you're ready that. For that nicks leaks says this chiefs fan here it seems like we never run a game plan specific offense. It's the same passing concepts and RPO game regardless of opponent. Why do you think Andy does it this way? I don't know, but I agree. You know, I I I I am totally on, you know, board with with what our man at Nick's Leaks is saying. I I'm totally on board with it. it. It is and we had this discussion last week, right? Talking about, you know, the the Chargers game a little bit. Yeah. There is a lack of a real plan of attack sometimes for me. Um, you know, they, they got a little unlucky in this football game here and there, too. You know, they still got – it's still an offense where I'd go, well, I'd take it still over a lot of people in football. Let's not forget that. But, yeah, there's the surgicality element that I know you love when I use that word <laughs> that is missing in this football – missing in this football team at times. It is. And they kind of just go, hey, wait, we got a cool system and we run our plays and we're pretty good at protecting and he's awesome back there and we just figure it'll work. It'll make it happen. You know, I know it's not exactly like that, but that's like general terms how I'm trying to put it here. And uh, that's, that's definitely something that, that bothers me about that. Early on in this game, though, you may have noted something. Um, do you have a text here? Is there something no, going on? No, no, I got a tech. I got a text. I just uh, some things I want to read off about this game too. Oh, you have them in text form. I have a few things. Right? Oh, I see right. from uh, the plays that that. Well, that, yeah, you know the, that was one thing threw we, it off for the Chiefs. Well, here. right, right. Well, we talked about this just before we get into the specifics of the game. It's just it was one of those games where on Monday we were like. How did that happen? How did they lose? Like, I can't even quite put it in. Like, they were controlling the game the whole time and, you know, were so clearly the better team on the field. And, yeah, I got a, you know, a little checklist here of things to go, oh, well, yeah, if you dominate and you're the better team on the field and you do these things, 
you have a chance to lose. And that, that, that I think, will Missed sum it up. Missed kicks and some, yeah. Missed kicks. Fourth and ten. Fourth conversion. Going, drop yeah. pass. Bad penalty. Kelsey drop a punt at the five-yard yeah. line, right? It's kind of the same way about the Dolphins game. I don't mean to go back there, but that's the same kind of thing, too. It. You know what I mean? You know, but I do think on, on those, you do have to be careful on that because if my Detroit Lions do stuff like that, you're like, well, yeah, that's They're, just the Detroit Lions. And they they blew it. You know, it's yeah. like you don't get bailed out by screwing up those. We just maybe bail the Chiefs out because that's we don't think that's typical. We don't think that'll happen. But that's what, that's the difference. It's tip, it's not typical, right? We, they're a team that has showed us they can play at a very high level and do it consistently for weeks and weeks in a row, and they don't do dumb stuff. And you know, you don't get to four AFC Championship games in a row, and you know, go to two Super Bowls uh, by just doing dumb shit like this and going, "Well, we fucking pulled it out somehow. I don't know how, but we did it." And it's just no, no. The, the, these are mistakes that. You know, it doesn't matter who you are, you can't make, and they cert- certainly shouldn't be making them. Now, you say they didn't necessarily have a game plan specific offense here, they're just a bunch of plays that go together, but maybe early in this game they tried to convince the Colts that they were going to come out, try to run the ball a little bit, I pound just, it. Yeah. They're going to be a different Chiefs. Did they try to do that? Uh, they did, and I don't like it. I, I don't. Like, I've given up on that. It's a little like we talked about a little of the Cardinals a few weeks ago, it's a little the same thing. Like, know who you are. You're not really a running football team. You're not really going to do it the whole game. You're just doing it to be like, well, we're going to come out and do something different here for two plays, and then we're going to get away from it for the whole game until we get down to the two-yard line, and then we're going to do it again. Even though when we got down to the two-yard line, we went down for 90 yards in the shotgun with our best fucking player making plays, but now we're going to get to the two-yard line and bull. Put an ISO smash and get in three tight end sets, even though we're not good at it, and at no point did we really do it with any success. And we're going to do that and run it up the middle for no yards. And then on third down, we're going to sprint out and chop off half the field for our quarterback and not score a touchdown in a big moment. Like that, that to me, yes, it, it's I get bothered by that by Kansas City, which we don't always see him do that. You know, we see him run some creative plays down by the goal line, the shovel passes, the options, definitely third and shorts. Short yardage goal line situations are the biggest problems for the Chiefs and Bills for mm. me. It's a real, it's a real issue because they don't have a real run game to rely on, and they got to find ways to, you know, get it in the end zone more consistently. They're too good not to, I guess, is what I'm saying. So you got into the weeds a little bit with some personnel groupings here, and I think we have a graphic that talks to it too. So running out of 12, 21, 22 personnel. Yeah. So kind of explain what you saw, and then we're seeing a graphic now if you're watching on YouTube or, or Peacock that, that goes into some nitty-gritty here. So what right. is this all saying? Well, it's all saying, you know, basically, like, listen, when they get in these 12, 21 personnel, 22 personnel. Which are ex- what exactly? You know, more running sets, one back, two tight ends, two backs, one tight end, two backs, two tight ends is 22 personnel. Got it. All things like that, right? And you could see, like, yards per carry, they're at 4.7 which is seventh in football. And people, if they saw that, they'd go, look, they, they're pretty good. It, it's, it's, it's a little skewed because of one big run by Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at the end of the Chargers game. It's a little skewed, too, because it's like they do it at the start of the game when teams are playing way back, right? And they're like, wait, we don't want Mahomes to make a big play right off the start of the game. Or they get in those sets, and a lot of teams go, well, they might block it up and take a, like a throw a deep post or something. So then they run the ball for the six yards of six yards. And then we go, oh, wow, whoa. They ran for six yards up the middle. Right. But then, of course, they don't go back to it or do it again for like, 
you know, 10 plays or yeah. three drives. So that, and then, yeah, you know. Yeah, if you just looked at yards per carry, like you mentioned. Yes, like, yeah, go ahead. They rank seventh going. in the NFL. Like, right. Okay, that's, that's pretty good. But like you mentioned, there's some big plays that are skewing that average, where if you look at the percentage of carries in these formations for a loss or no gain, they're nearly 20%, and that is tied for the worst in the NFL. Yeah, they're not. They they don't want. They're not with the bills. They're not. Yeah, there you go. Well, that's great. I'm glad you're telling me that. Yeah, they're tied for the worst because they're not committed to that. So stop trying to be that just for a few plays here. I understand. Hey, maybe there's a team in a certain week that makes sense. This was not the team that it made sense. And then when they get in these formations and these sets, sometimes they just go, "What's the point?" Because when then they drop back and pass, I go. Wait, it's the same pass plays they do if the other three receivers are in the game. So let's just put the other three receivers in the game because it's more dangerous that way. So I, that's where I don't get it at times. Um, yeah, I guess it's just it's just a thought I have of just stop pretending that. And I think it throws them off of the rhythm of their offense a little bit and also causes them to miss third and ones or goal line situations because of it where I wanted to go, just, no, just give the guy the ball in the shotgun and let him scramble and make a play or design a cool pass play to where he can throw some laser in there and get it. Uh, that that That's my you know my two cents on their approach a little bit on that side. Yeah, run ball. around, make a sidearm throw to Juju for a giant play, right? <laughs> that is that was, that was so sick, that play. <laughs> that's what you said. Insane, I think, was your quote, your cursive quote in your notes. I mean, yeah. Pat being Pat. To, to deep cross route. All right, so they're, they're, you know, their one issue is certainly on their offensive line is number 65, Trey Smith. Okay. He is a weak link. We got a question on that. Orion Chuzzlewit. Right. Okay, hey guys, go ahead. The O-line seemed to underperform for the Chiefs on Sunday. How big of an issue is this going forward for Mahomes and company? I, I'm, I'm not totally worried about it. Orlando Brown had a player, too. Once he got tri- he got tripped one time, um, but I ultimately came, in by, came, came back just going, Trey Smith is the issue almost four out of every five times he mm. gets you know pressure or can't you know sit on a route downfield. It's because he's getting beat. So they got to do something there to help him out. But he's certainly the guy that jumps out to me pretty much on a, a consistent basis. Yeah, and it was bad in this game for sure. Is that a drop off from last year? Is he? Yeah, it, it, it is. It's it's. It does seem like it's a drop. I feel like it's more noticeable. Last year, I would say he was probably the weak link, too. This year, I just feel like it's happened more times in the first three weeks than, than it did last year. And last year, I think you give him the benefit of the doubt because you're like, oh, he's a rookie, and you know he's trying to find his way. This year, that's the training wheels are off. So the same things you said to Andy previous week still apply here. Uh, it's probably not going to change. It's probably the, the, the issues that you have with the Chiefs, I mean, it's worked for him for a year. I mean, uh, I know. You, it's, it's not a huge overhaul. It's not. It's just a little bit of an approach in like a few situations that just bother me. You know, that, that's all I'm saying. And, and it is at times I think they don't find their rhythm on the offense because they go back to this stuff where I just go, "Why we were rolling? It was the Mahomes magic show and everything was good." And then it was like, "Whoa, let's slow it down and run between the tackles because we just we got to. We haven't done it in a while." No, you don't. There's no rule. You know, I'd rather you see be like the fucking Bills and just throw it 62 times then. And just come up with more screens and plays like that, and just do it that way. Uh, so that that's what you know bothered me. But yeah, you know, um, other than that, you're right. There's not a whole lot of problems. I'm still very confident that they're one of the best teams in football. There's no doubt. Their D is real, and yeah, they just got to help out Trey Smith a little bit, you know, because even he gets sacked by Yannick Ngakwe on one play. 
he's gonna have he's gonna have Kelsey wide open for a big play. Yeah, Yannick Ngakwe got the sack. It wasn't really Yannick Ngakwe. It was DeForest Buckner fucking up Trey Smith, and then Yannick Ngakwe got the sack. Right. So that's the big thing that that uh, jumped out to me. Certainly, um, let me see if there's anything else out. Yeah. You know. I mean, last last thing I think. Yeah. Just the Colts they did win this game. I feel like we haven't spent that much time on the Colts just yeah. because it feels like the Chiefs side is more interesting here, but. You know, you mentioned DeForest Buckner already. Yannick Ngakwe got a big sack in the game. Um, I mean, they need Shaq Leonard back. Okay, they need him back. It'd be a huge boost. Every yeah. team would need. I'm not like getting getting off of them quite yet. Their offense still bothers me. Yeah. I mean, that's really the big issue. I don't think the defense is going to be the issue. There's enough there for me to go. This defense could keep them in games, but it can't be like. They're not going to keep him in the game if the offense is getting steamrolled like they did in Jacksonville. Or, you know, even moments in this game. You know, again, I just if, if we don't have some of the mistakes by Kansas City and all that, there's only, you know, the offense has got to help them out a little bit. And there's just too much there where, you know, the, the, the Colts offense was just completely dominated at moments. I mean, it's 250 yards of total offense. There's no run game to talk about, you know. Pass game, there's one big pass basically the whole day to Alec Pierce. You had another one to Michael Pittman. You know, so the, their offense is really the big concern. Um, the defense, yeah, there's enough there that uh, they're going to be a pain in the ass for a lot of people. Matt Ryan yeah. has the lowest number for intended air yards per pass in the NFL this year. Uh, lowest number this week, of the, of the week. The person that was just ahead of him, Aaron Rodgers. The Packers continue to, to utilize that short passing game one in the game against the Buccaneers, so it worked, I guess, enough to get the two-point victory over Tom and the Bucks here as we switch to our last game of the week, the Old Man Bowl. Is that the last one? It's the last it? one, yeah. Damn. And then we got Pete's Punt Awards. Oh, that's... Yeah. We, yeah, we, we, we gave you the week off. We only had, I think... I only sent you, what, 15 <laughs> pages of notes or what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so enjoy the vacation this week. You'll be back to work next week. Thank you. Uh, all right, let's two quarterbacks. That's the big story yeah. in this game. Right. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Let's just start big, big headline here. Right. You look closely at Aaron. You look closely at Tom. Right. What stuck out to you the most on how they approached the game, the chances they took? Well, yeah, you you know what road you're leading me down here. <laughs> you're very tactically leading me down here. But that, that I mean, it does jump out to me. Is And my, my big thing would be is just that – Brady and his style of play to me is just still it's more scary than Rodgers right now. I'm not you know Rodgers was good in the game. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of good. There's still a handful of plays where I go the protection's good. Stand there and throw the ball. You're going to have a 20 yard out route. Or you're going to have somebody over the middle for a 15 or 20 yard gain, and it's just too quick to throw the underneath throw. And it's annoying me, too, because I'm sure in West Coast terms, this is where I hate the West Coast offense because they, they're always saying, listen to your feet, you know, and listen to your feet, listen to your feet. What does that mean? Well, you know, sometimes you've got to use your eyes and your brain and go, well, he's going to be open, even though my feet have told me that I'm supposed to, like, move on to the next guy. Because in the, everything is through the feet in the West Coast offense. And, and some of the old West Coast people have gotten away from this. But my, my example would be, you know, let's say – you know, you got a, a curl flat to the right, right? Just to simplify things. You got one receiver running a 12 yard curl, the other one's running the two yard flat route. Your five step drop, the first hitch to the curl. If you're going to the second hitch, you're supposed to get off the curl and throw to the ball in the flat. The game's not perfect sometimes. Sometimes the guy running the curl gets bumped a little bit and it's wide the fuck open. 
but the West Coast offense goes, oh, throw it in the flat. And you're like, well, damn, we left we left 140 yards on the field because we listened to our feet instead of using our fucking eyes and our brain. And that's where a lot of the good O's, a lot of the good OCs, like McVeigh, I think, is one of these, and Shanahan, I think, to a degree here, where they're West Coast and prime, but they also have a little balance of that. That's where New England and Brady, there's no sense of that. None. It was never talked about ever. When I worked there, when I played for Josh McDaniels, it's read the coverage. You've played football. You know, you could see it's going to come up, and they didn't care if you did a backpedal, a karaoke, and did, you know, break dancing. As long as you threw to the open guy when he was open, that was cool. And that, to me, goes on here a little bit. But, like, yes, that aspect, they, they're going to, again, they're going to get away with it a lot, of, a lot of the times. I just don't think it's going to get them where they want to go when it's all said and done. That's my big thing. And then there's Brady with a bunch of guys that, you know, we're like, who's playing receiver this week? And he's looking to every throw. Oh, he's open by a half inch downfield. I'm going to fucking throw the fireball in there. And I can't believe I'm saying this for like this two times out of three weeks, right? Because it used to be the opposite. If we went back in time five, six years ago, I'd go, damn, there's Brady checking it down to Edelman for four underneath. Or throwing the, he could have he could have maybe hit this guy, but he wasn't wide open, so he didn't throw it. And I used to be going, there's Rodgers, nobody's open, and he's going to throw a fireball through a keyhole and get it in there or dance around and wait till somebody's open to do that. And it's almost like a role reversal, and it's, it's, it's annoying and cool at the same time. That's interesting. We'll take yeah. a closer look at that on Twitter with a actual visual play. Yeah. So check that out on your Twitter feed. And uh, we also have the passing chart for Aaron Rodgers up for our Peacock and YouTube watchers. It's all short for Aaron Rodgers here. But I noticed, Chris, yeah. it is all short. A lot of green dots. That's a lot right. of green dots. Yep. And so when that is clicking, yeah. I mean, it does look pretty good. Well, he's he's dangerous. This is where we got to give him some major props. Because some of these throws, I go, only Aaron Rodgers can pull these off. And I know a lot of people are going to go, well, what do you mean? Uh, he, he, only Aaron Rodgers can pull off the three-yard throw? My high school quarterback can do that, right? It's not that. It's the, first off, their game plan was run the ball, control the clock a little bit, you know, not hold the ball, get strip sack fumbled, you know, not let crazy coverages on third down by Todd Bowles and blitzes ruin the game, you know, because the Bucks are just, they're waiting for their opportunity to make a play, hit you, make you fumble, anything like that. Anytime basically the Packers got into a drop back pass situation, it wasn't good. It wasn't. First and second down stuff was great because they didn't know exactly what they were going to do. So that's the thing there. But, you know, that, that's what the Bucks do. They're going to create chaos in obvious passing situations with the blitz, with the coverage, or because they have a bunch of freaks on that side of the ball, like Aaron Jones. Here we go. We're going to put the game away, Green Bay. We're up 14-3. They throw the ball over the middle. Linebacker hits him. Vita Vea comes and cleans him out, fumbles the ball. There we go. That's what they wanted. That's how they play. So the game plan from the Packers was really cool. It was a ton of RPOs. And because of Rodgers' ability and – the quickest release probably in the history of football, him to do that and then be pinpoint with these throws while also throwing with incredible velocity, even though it's an RPO that's only a five-yard throw, right? And giving his guys a chance to yank it out of the air, have space, and make a little run after the catch. I and mean, that that is phenomenal. Like Nobody can do it to that level, is what I'm saying. The only guy in football I look at that can maybe do RPOs that quickly with that kind of pace on the ball is is Josh Allen. 
Uh, other than that, you know, Rodgers is in a class of his own that way. And that was a big part of their football game, especially in the first half when they were controlling things. Yeah, first two drives, 10 plays, 75 yards, touchdown. 12 right. plays, 71 yards, touchdown. Those right. are the only two touchdowns in the game. Yes. Cheese curd 19. Yeah. I'm guessing he's a Packers fan. It sounds right? like it. Cheese head. Uh, what adjustments did Tampa make to shut down my Packers after those first two jo- drives? Yeah. What? Well, the third drive wasn't that much different, right? They went down, and that's when they fumbled on the on yep. the three-yard line with Aaron Jones. Yep. So it was the same thing. It was run the ball, RPOs, and some bootlegs, right? Kind of taking advantage of the Buccaneers' over-aggressive nature a little bit, taking advantage in the RPO game and why they're doing this. And i got to explain why Rodgers was doing these throws. is because the Bucks like to cheat the system as we talked about a little bit on monday they want to have it both ways right where they want to go and here's my example let's say we have three receivers to the right all right the bucks will put two guys over the two receivers and then maybe have a middle linebacker like over the tackle on the offensive side of the ball where he's like, eh, he's kind of he's in the box still, but he's also in a decent position to go out if you throw a pass there to that guy, that third receiver, right? And I think Rodgers and LaFleur said, "Fuck that." First off, it's hard enough to run the ball on these guys, and now they're they're like fake out numbering us with the numbers in the run game. So here's certainly something we can take advantage and change that. Now here's the big thing to me: there wasn't a drastic change in their approach in the second half. Green Bay, I think, outthought themselves a little bit and got away from it. Where I want to go, where, where are some of the formations we were doing the RPOs out of? Where, what? It's like they went, oh, they're going to adjust to it in the second half, so let's get away from it. And I want to make no, they didn't really adjust to it. The few times that they got in some of those formations, I went, where's the RPO? They did the same thing in the first half off this same formation. It's going to be there. But they would run the ball or whatever else, and I just was shocked by that. The only difference I can literally say is the Bucks were more aware of it, and even though they were given some of those weird looks, like the Antoine Winfield down there was playing it more aggressively, maybe to a degree, but I didn't look at it and go, oh, wow, this is what the Bucks are doing here. They really didn't change a whole lot. I just feel like the Packers kind of got away from it, and uh, they shouldn't have. They should have stayed patient with it because I think it was still there. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, so that it's interesting. This game, this game is interesting when you look at just the possessions too, because we just talked about the Packers having success on their first three possessions, scoring touchdowns on the first two, the fumble on the third. The Buccaneers didn't get it going until way late in the uh, in the game. Here, they had a ten play drive to start. Did not have a drive that was over ten plays until the last one of the game, where Tom was like, "All right, I got to do this." I guess now thirteen plays, eighty two yards, scored the touchdown. Um, yeah, what was your, first of all, just overall kind of impression of the, the Bucks offense that had a hard time getting it going until the very end of the game? Yeah, well, they're missing their players. They're missing their weapons, for sure. You know, their left tackle, their left tackle is, you know, um, an issue a little bit without Donovan Smith. Um, here's, you know, the positives 
least for Green Bay's defense at least, is they weren't overwhelmed by the run game and the physicality of the offensive line. You know, the two times they played two years ago, they couldn't match up with that. The Bucks were literally just going, we're just going to block straight and push you guys back, and we'll get five yards a run every time. Hmm. And that's what they did. So at least Green Bay's got some horses in there now to stop that a little bit. Um, at no point, though, for the most part, did I really ever feel like Green Bay stopped Tampa Bay. Really? Even though there's 12 points there. Yeah, it was it was a myriad of Tampa mistakes and putting themselves in some bad situations that I think caused more problems than anything. And of course, having two fumbles when you're on borderline field goal territory, you know, one of them you're clearly in field goal territory. Uh, that's certainly hurt them too. But like in the first half, they have the long drive. Well. And then the other two drives were quick, and, and Green Bay had the ball the whole first half. So they didn't even really get the whole lot of opportunities there. Um, that was the big thing. But, you know, I think overall, I love Brady's throwing and what he did there. I do think that, um, you know, I think people have caught on maybe a little bit to their system to a degree. I don't know if you saw that in my notes. Just a little because it's just the Patriots and the Brady plays and – what Bruce Arians and Leftwich have done, people have stolen them all across the NFL, hmm. and they've been you know good for so long that I pe- think people have a little bit of a feel for it overall. Uh, but you know, it, it's one of those where I just go, I don't know. I'm not worried about the Bucks' offense. I, I, it's going to come together the right way. They just got to get a little healthier up front. You know, I I, um, I know I'm missing maybe one point, but you know, like I said, I really like Brady. You know, third down passing, the injuries, league knows system better. You know, everyone's stealing the Brady Patriots Bucks plays across right. the league. Like I still have people go like, Did you know that New England and Brady had no they just read plays across the field? And I want to go, Yes, I've known for twenty years now. Yes, I have known. That's why they're good. Right? Because they have plays that are full safe against everything instead of like so many teams in football are like if it's this coverage we play this side of the field if it's this coverage we play this side of the field well what if they play that bastard coverage where we're not sure what it is well fucking just try to make it happen then oh great coach thanks for that coaching point right so that's where it's become popular and there is a real thing there um i'm missing a point that i wanted to hit on well maybe it's this with our our friend mehmet 305 okay cool because he has a question. This might not be your point, but it's a question that some people have out there. you got to protect Tom Brady, maybe more than any quarterback in the NFL. Right. Is it fair to say that the issues Tampa Bay has on offense is caused by their interior offensive line, especially left guard and the center combination? Yeah, it, I will say in the run game, I do think it's an issue. It is. That's where it was different. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't quite get – they can't overpower a defensive line like the Packers now with Kenny Clark and Jerron Reed and, and that crew in there. Uh, so that's where it is a little different maybe in this kind of matchup. And the pass protection, I didn't notice that to be a problem. My issue was the left tackle, 73. Hmm. All right? So that, that was the big thing there. You know, but um, you know, I, 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 and that ultimately is what got them you know, hurt. It's just those third down situations. Green Bay's pretty creative on defense. We know they're very talented. And because of the penalties or dropping a double reverse that's going to be a flea flicker, it might be a big play to Leonard Fournette down the sideline, they just always found a way to kind of get behind the, the chains. And the Packers are good on third down, and the Buccaneers, I think because of the injuries and the left tackle, 
aren't where they want to be as a third down football team right now. I think that was the big thing that that like jumped out to me about that side of the ball. Yeah. Tom Brady could have some of his weapons back. You don't know. Julio Jones seems like he is trending towards third and longs. probably going to play. Yeah. Uh, which would be good because they got Chiefs at Buccaneers on our network. I know. Sunday night football. I wait. And we need a good game. Yes. I don't think we've had a really good game. No, yet. not really. The Bills-Rams, right. I think, was the most exciting one. It was 10-10 at half. Yeah. And then it was the Josh Allen show in the second half, which was – and I don't think a lot of us, you know, no, not a lot of people expected the Bills to win that game. Right. It was cool to watch in the way it developed. Right, yes. but you're right. We haven't had a tight nail-biter going into the fourth quarter really yet. Right. So that, 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 this is going to be awesome, no doubt about it. And these are two teams that are going to be pissed, you know, pissed off that they're 2-1. and one. Um, But – let me just say this last thing. You know, um, your Colombo, your Colombo. My Colombo. One more thing. Um, if the if both of these teams continue on this path and the Bucks are healthy, I I just I don't think there's any way Green Bay will beat Tampa if they match up in the playoffs again. I just I don't see it. It's not a good matchup for them. It's not. It just across the board. You know, the Bucks will make the right adjustments, and those RPOs won't be there the next time they play. They won't. They'll, they'll do it. I just think they're, you know, just that game felt just right with how it played out, the injuries of the Bucks for the Green Bay Packers to win the football game. I know Green Bay is still real good and going to be a force in the NFC, but I just don't. I don't think they want to see Tampa if they have to play them in the playoffs. Well, that will see be if my that, two cents. Yeah, we'll see if that short passing game works against the New England Patriots this yeah. coming week for the Green Bay, the Green Bay Packers. But yes, it is Chiefs Buccaneers Sunday NBC. Oh my gosh! And now we got a new thing going on with Sunday Night Football. I was not aware of this until it showed up in the rundown. You can become a Sunday Night Football insider. Wow. Yeah, you can watch the game from Chris Sims's house. Get no. everything you need to know every week with exclusive access to insider content, game alerts, and free Sunday night football gear. Oh, not go to your house too? No, oh, you're not no one's coming to my I'm not gonna be there. Okay. They don't wanna I'm working with you. <laughs> yeah, so all you gotta do is text Sunday NBC, Sunday NBC to seven six three six two two. How many people just whipped out a pen right now? You think listening to it, right? Seven six three, or they're punching it into their phone to yes. sign up right now. Uh, participation that we note this is optional. Uh, message and data rates may apply, so we have we do have to let you know that you're not obligated to do this. We're not going to come to your house and force you to text that uh, in your phone. <laughs> that seems so odd. <laughs> participation is no shit it's optional thank you thank you very much for that captain obvious nbc sunday night football yeah. we don't want All people right. to feel pressured they go don't 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 pressure it yeah legally we have to tell people that we're not going to bully them into doing this we just ask if you want to you can do it so uh but what we do definitely want to do right now yeah is Pete's Pun Awards. Oh, I like it. This is where we got to get Pete a mic, right? People, yeah, they, all they hear about is Pete and Pete them a little light of lightest. We hear him in and our ear. And this is where, you know, they got to hear this guy's voice and, and listen to this guy a little bit. I, I think we need to, like, include him in the podcast. I will do more. it in honor of Pete here. So Pete really is obsessed with special teams. Like, he watches. He's in that room with all you guys for Sunday Night Football, cutting tapes. He's and doing he, a lot. And for the Sunday game with the Broncos and 49ers, it was like his Christmas. It was like there were so many great... Punt plays the whole down day in on South Sunday five. Oh was my everywhere. Gosh, that's I mean, true. He just he was, and Pete with his voice is so funny when he talks about it too. So it just you hear it everywhere. Yeah, he he is excited about it. And so his punter of the week, the inaugural punter of the week, 
is the Texans punter. Cameron Johnston had five punts. All five went inside the 20. One was out of bounds. One was down. One was fair caught. The two other returned a total of one yard. So Cameron Johnston, congratulations. Yes, way to go. That game, it was amazing this week how many punts seemed like they were down there you know, inside the 10-yard line. And uh, I didn't realize that he, Cameron Johnston, you know, put the ball down inside the five that yeah. many times. Your team lost. inside the 20. But, I mean, without that, I mean, it really is true. And those are plays that we gloss over. And people talk about that all the time. Huge like, all these kickers, just a, uh, you know, the outcome of the game is relying on a right leg sometimes. Well, yeah, that's yeah. the way the game is set up. Right. And you better, you better play that all phases of the game. It's uh, a huge part of the game. Huge part it's of the game. It's a huge part of the game. Uh, yes, we as TV and fantasy j- just forget about it at times, but this is tactical warfare. It's it's a fight for you know property on a football field, yeah. and you know when you got to make a team cover more property, things get get a lot harder. So we are not forgetting. Pete is Pete is making sure we remember the punters and the flyers out there. No longer called gunners, according to Matt Lafleur. They're called now Flyers. 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 How appropriate. So Flyer of the week for Pete is the 49ers corner, Samuel Womack III. He jumped across the goal line, if you remember, down uh, that beautiful punt down. Great job. Made Knocking the Broncos. it back to the other guy who almost also touched the goal line. That's right. Right, and caught it, and then he threw it down. But, yes, that was uh, an incredible play. And that game itself, you're right, had like three or four of those. Yeah, special teams was huge in that one. Field position was huge in that game. Right. Samuel Womack the third. congratulations. You won the punt awards. So you've had the punt awards. We have the Big Butt Awards, and I am hearing that in the matter of this podcast, we've oh, got a trophy. That's a cool one. A big, elef- <laughs> a big elephant yeah. ass trophy? Exactly. Gold. I, I think that could work. Ahmed's Big Butt Award. That's it. Yeah. That's the trophy Get right there. Get it made. Can All we right. make that? And then at the end of the year, at the end of the year, we award one Big Butt Elephant Trophy Award. So Kristen put that together in a matter of... 40, oh, the Big Big Butt Award. The Big Big Butt Award. Oh, my gosh. I, I like that. that. Add an extra big to it. Um, <laughs> hey, other one other game to break down, too. What? You didn't see the notes that I sent? No. I just sent them. What? What was it? No, I didn't send them. I'm lying. <laughs> I, was in, I, was, I was in person for Giants-Cowboys. Oh, that's right. Yes. Okay, so just hit on that real quick. 100%. Being there in person, there is no question who the better football team was on the football field. It's, it's, it's actually even more apparent... We knew Dallas was a little more talent, more talented than the Giants. Yeah, it's, I mean, it was ten plays in, and I was like, "Whoa, the Giants don't look like the Cowboys. They don't look like the Cowboys." I said it. My son said it, and then my wife in like the second quarter was like, "You know, Dallas looks a lot bigger than the Giants," and I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, they are." Yeah. You know, and it doesn't always mean the offensive line too. It's guys like Noah Brown and C.D. Lamb who are big receivers, and you know, Trayvon Diggs is a big corner, right? But I mean, the Giants, it's just, it's all about ugliness. And Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, hopefully they can make a play. They're the only two guys that are capable. There is nobody open the whole game. I was sitting in the mezzanine level, so it was like I was watching Madden or anything. I could see it all. Yeah. And there's never anybody open. They can't pass protect. Giants fans got to back off Daniel Jones. It's, 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 that was one thing in the, you know, in the crowd. You just Everything gets blamed on Daniel Jones. And I wanna, I, there was a few times where the people close to me, I'm going to go, yeah, but where was he? Tell me who was open. And here's a replay in the jumbo trial. Who was it? Who, 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 he, he's, he's under duress. And wait, now. He, he got the ball. Now he's under duress. I mean, if, he, if it's not for – Daniel Jones is the least of their problems. So we got to back off that as a giant fan base. And the Cowboys, Cowboys are you know, impressive. They really are. 
You know, I think um, they need to continue to play this style of football. Cooper Rush, yeah, calm, cool, all of that. But defense, a little bit more ball control, a little more balanced that way. When Dak Prescott gets back, let's not fall in the trap that we got our quarterback back and we throw it 45 times a game. I don't think they're meant or built to do that. Hmm. They're built to be a little balanced that way. But uh, what Dan Quinn's doing on that defense – you know, is it is impressive because their secondary is impressive, and then they got guys like Demarcus Lawrence or Micah Parsons. Where in person, you just go, well, the Giants don't have one defensive guy that looks like that. They, nobody looks like that on their defense, right? No, they don't have a corner that looks like Trayvon Diggs. They don't have a receiver that looks like C.D. Brown or Noah or Lamb, right? No, yeah, and, Noah Brown. Uh, Noah Brown, excuse me. Yeah. C.D. Lamb or Noah Brown. Yeah. And yeah, that, it was it was very apparent. You know, watching it in person. So you had no false pretense in that game. You're just like, from the get-go, you're like, ooh. I I literally was telling the people around me, we got to win ugly. Graham Gano is going to be our best player. We're going to have to win this 13-10 to or 16-13. to I mean, I I did not think we were really capable of going down the field and scoring a touchdown. We, you know, Saquon broke the run, and I was like, oh, my gosh, because I wanted my kids to hear the stadium, you know, like, roar. And it probably did in that moment, right? It did. It was awesome. At least they got that. So I was like, yes, we got one touchdown on the board. But, yeah. yeah, either way, you know, again, I think that's the Giants and the gift of Dave Gettleman that just keeps giving is the roster is not good. They're yeah. in the process of rebuilding it. Well, I and mean, if we they are going to win. It's going to be ugly. But we don't know how good those two first rounders were this year either. Evan Neal had some well, issues early on. Definitely but. some issues. He, it was his worst game as a pro. Yeah. He, I mean, Demarcus Lawrence went around him like he wasn't there. Yeah, even even veterans are going to have trouble with that pass rush. No I doubt about it. No, he's got year. some things to learn for and sure. Kayvon Thibodeau, his first game wasn't, I mean, his yeah, first, his first game, game, I don't want to judge it too much. But yeah. but yeah, he wasn't really noticeable in the game action. That's for sure. That was your Colombo game right there. One more game. One more game. So so did you have pleasant experiences with the uh, Giants fans there? Yeah, I did. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. loved it. Loved it. You autographs. Know, How many autographs? They were great. Any, nah, any autographs? Just only like um, I did two autographs. Yeah, but a bunch of selfies and things like that. Exactly. No one has pens anymore. Right. But you do have a. Phone. Somebody asked me to sign their Phil Sims jersey, and they were like, "You got a sharpie?" And I was like, "No, I yeah. don't carry around a sharpie." <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but yeah. it was all good, and uh, actually had a, a group of fans at one time let me cut the line and get my drink for my wife. My wife was, you know, she had third quarter, she wanted a drink, and yeah. she'd already been up to get snacks and stuff, so I was like, I'll go get it real quick. Yeah. And I ran up there, and some giant fans saw me, and they were like, you come up here. Nice. Tell your dad thanks for everything. <laughs> and I was like, thank you for letting me cut the line, because yeah. I don't want to miss any more of the game. Let me get back there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure so the people behind them really appreciated that, too. It like this random, tall, this random tall, you know, blonde-haired guy just cut the line in yeah. front of all of us. <laughs> right, He's right. He's got pretty good seats. I don't yeah. feel good at all. It was good. Uh, all right, that's it. We all did right, it. We, we did went it. through the treasure hunters. I think we uncovered some gold there, don't I you think? I definitely think we did. I mean, we kind of hit it on it all. Like, I mean, gosh, sum up. Dolphins don't blitz too much. You're too good. Yeah. Right, Trevor's awesome. Jaguars yep. are real. Lamar can throw in the pocket, and he's awesome. Their a defense pass first run team, right? A yeah. pa- oh, I, I love that. You know, Pete. Pete said that yeah. pass first run team. Uh, I love that. You know, the Chiefs stop freaking pretending, and you know, Rogers, be more aggressive, please. Yeah, and Tampa, right. I'm not worried about it. And, yeah. and if you want an autograph from Chris, bring your own sharpie. Yeah, that's he does right. not carry a now sharpie. Now you know that. All right, everybody, that's it. Treasure Hunter Edition done once again. What the fuck happened? We just told you what the fuck happened on a Wednesday. All right? Sorry about that, Kristen, because I know she'll have to clean it up. Ahmed Fareed, thank you so much for leading the charge. Get your wife on making that big butt Mm t-shirt and get some swag out there. All right, everybody, enjoy the week. Sunday, big week. 
Sunday Night Football doesn't get any bigger. Brady nope. versus Mahomes, that's going to be awesome. You'll see Ahmed and I yeah. on the Football Night in I'll America pregame show. He'll be there with us. We'll be Suit at the desk acting like we're all professional and we know everything. Yeah. That's what we do. No swearing. I'll act. I'll act more serious. Yeah, you will. You'll be more. We all have to act more professional on that show. I mean, yeah. if they let me start swearing on that, then <laughs> yeah. watch out. Yeah, the big butt award will not be uh, will not be prominent. No, it will not. All right, be good. Uh, enjoy Thursday night. That should be a good one too. Peace out. Clap, Clap it, it up. up. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed. Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.